invite you to be seated. I have to chuckle whenever the uh, story of the wedding at Cana in Galilee comes up because here you've got a priest in recovery talking to you about the story of Jesus changing 180 gallons of water into the best of the wine. But I always manage to persevere and stay sober <laughs> in spite of the greatness of the story. It is a wonderful story, isn't it? The story of uh, Jesus and his disciples being invited to a wedding feast, one of the most joyous occasions in that time and in this. And people are having a wonderful time at the party. And in Jesus' time, wedding parties went on for three or four or five days. When all of a sudden comes the horrible news that the host has run out of wine. And uh, that wasn't just a social faux pas. That was more or less a statement that uh, the, the host didn't have sufficient resources to adequately entertain his, um, his guests. It was a sign of a lack of abundance. And Jesus' mother, who noticed what was going on, kind of edged up to her son and elbowed him in the rib and said, they ran, they're running out of wine. And even though Jesus acts a bit petulant, well, what is that to me, Mom? <laughs> he goes ahead and transforms this water into a thousand bottles of wine and allows the host to not be shamed, allows the guests to enjoy the abundance of the feast at a joyous occasion and he gives John tells us a sign John writes Jesus did this the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him now scripture scholars traditionally number the signs that Jesus did in John's Gospel at 7. And I won't bore you by going through the list of all seven of them. But each of those signs was given to help those around him understand who he was, who God is, and how they ought to follow who Jesus was, who God is, and how they're invited to follow Jesus. So, we were talking in Bible study on Wednesday morning, and, and I asked, well, what are signs for? And Chris immediately said, they're to tell you where to go. Well, yes, of course, that's absolutely true. 
And uh, I remember on um, our pilgrimage in Spain, the yellow arrows that you would find painted on walls or on signposts all along the Camino de Santiago. And those yellow arrows would point you to the right or to the left or straight ahead. Once we came to a place where they had an arrow pointing to the left and the right. And I said, well, I guess whichever way we go, we're going to get there. But those signs were placed there by someone to help the pilgrims on the path. And someone else said, well, signs also sometimes explain to you what something is. Like, this painting is called Starry Night. And it was painted by Vincent van Gogh in the 1880s. Oh, and by the way, you know, he was from the Low Countries. Or, bathroom. Always a welcome sign when one needs it, right? Or um, the signs around the church. St. Paul's is remarkably well signed. I've been to churches where you couldn't find the front door. Or you couldn't find the real entrance. Because I've been to churches where on Sunday morning they never unlock the front door. You have to go to an entrance on the side to go in. And... Uh, St. Paul's, you all have done a great job helping people find their way and knowing where they are. So signs provide a multitude of bits of information to us that help us make meaning of where we are and what the purpose of our being here is. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with this first miracle. What was Jesus telling us about himself? What was Jesus telling the disciples about himself? He was telling them, I think, that God had given him gifts. God had made him a person who could do things out of the ordinary, who could do what we might call supernatural deeds of power, in order to make God's message known to others. And so when we talk about miracles, we tend to get fixated on the, the miraculous event. When in John's Gospel, really the purpose of them is to help us see that, yeah, this guy Jesus has a special connection to the power we call God. And that if we follow Jesus, we can come more closely to follow God more fully. And what does this sign of 180 gallons of wine tell us about who God is? David Loos, a seminary professor turned seminary president turned parish pastor again, said this is a sign of God being a God of abundance. God doesn't only hand out so much grace. Like, well, this Sunday, Bob, you get some grace, but Mark, you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks because we don't have enough to go around. God is a God 
who provides not just what we need, but beyond our needs. When Susan's father, my wife Susan's father was sick, he, um, he received a, a, a letter. He was a high school English teacher, and he'd had a student many years before who had gone on to become a Carmelite sister. And she sent him a little sponge that she'd cut into the form of a, a heart. And she said, I want this to be a sign to you that God is a God of love. So I want you to put this in a bowl and I want you to pour water into it. And I want you to realize that even when your heart is full to brimming with God's love, God's love is still all around you. You, you can't suck up all the love that God has to give. So this sign of the wine is a sign that God wants to provide abundantly for all. God wants the needs of all to be met, the concerns of all to be heard, and God wants that we then should recognize that and give thanks for that. And then finally, how are we called to follow Jesus in light of what we've learned about him and about God. And I would suggest to you that our reading from 1 Corinthians and the hymn that we just sang with the choir before the reading of the gospel give us an answer. God gives us abundant gifts as a community and as individuals. And it tells us in 1 Corinthians that these are for the good of all. God doesn't give us a gift so that we can hoard it to ourselves, but God gives it to us so that we can use it to serve the community and the world. And then in the hymn, we have this wonderful image of the church standing in God's radiance becoming radiant itself, that the sign of God's glory rubs off on us, and that if we follow, we, if we follow God, we can go out into the world carrying a bit of that radiance on us. It's like the story of Moses going up on the mountain and coming down and his face shone because he'd been in God's glory, in God's presence. And the people were scared and he had to cover his face. And then it says that when he went up onto the mountain, he took the veil off. But when he came down, he had to cover his face because the shining was so brilliant that people couldn't understand it. We're, we're not called to need to cover our faces, but we're called to shine with just enough of God's glory that people can look at us and say, wow, God is good. If God can use David, or if God can use Judy, where's Judy? There's Judy. If God can use art, boy, God has used art. If God can use you, maybe God can use me too. You see, Jesus gives us signs so that we might become signs to others as well. 
So I'd like to invite you to a thought experiment here over the next few days. I want you to be attentive to where God is putting signs into your life. Because I'm convinced that if we have our eyes trained and our mind focused on looking for signs that tell us about God and tell us about how God wants us to be, that we will find them. So I invite you to look for places in your life where you see signs of God's presence and God's goodness and God's abundance. And when you find those, I think, yeah, the appropriate response is, thank you, God. And then I want you to ask yourself the next question, which would be, now that you've shown me this, God, how can I share this? It might not be to go and tell the story, but it might be in how you act. If you see an act of great love and it stirs you, then the way you respond might be to go out and seek to be a bit more loving in your interactions with people in the world. If you see an act of great generosity, it might stir us to be a little more generous. If you see or feel, experience great forgiveness, it might encourage you to practice forgiveness a little more fully in the days ahead. So this wonderful story is not really about enough wine to get everybody really drunk. Instead, it's a story about a God and a Savior who want us to get drunk with the love and the goodness that God pours out on us. And then, bonus, no hangovers, but we get to go out into the world and to share that love and that grace with others. The signs invite us to see and to know God and to share it, to become signs ourselves. Amen.